What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, the best independent sports podcast on the planet is brought to you by our presenting sponsor Panko Chicken. Panko Chicken is the home of the best Japanese American chicken tender and it continues to rack up the awards in Atlanta winning the 2019 Super Bowl Live Top Sling Vendor Award, multiple best-selling tastes at the Taste of Atlanta Awards in 2017 and 2018, and even the best fried chicken award at the 2018 ATL Cluckfest. Panko is all about connecting cultures, cultivating happiness, one chicken tender at a time. I love Panko, their family, and I can't thank them enough for their support of this podcast. It it just it means a lot. And um yeah, so go to their Midtown location, their Tucker location, and all their future locations as they take over Atlanta because they're family and I love them and I couldn't be more excited to see more and more locations pop up and all of that um, that goes with it. So go to go to Panko, get some chicken, get some rice, get some beer. There's all kinds of great stuff. Um, whatever you want, Panko Chicken has it. So go do that. Um, also, go to chasethomaspodcast.com. I am uh, I'm writing my ass off there uh, these days. So go do that. Read my stuff. You can get access to all of my previous episodes. You can buy my merch. You can learn more about just why I do what I do and why I believe I'm going to get where I want to go. Um, this is my dream, this, uh, this sports media thing. And um, you were going to see me on ESPN one day or Sports Illustrated, or Fox Sports, or DAZN, or whoever, um, because I'm not going to quit. I am, I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep grinding. I'm going to keep punching out episodes, writing articles, and just outworking everyone, because I just, I just want this more, and I believe my product, and I believe in where I'm going. Um, we're over 300 episodes strong and this is what I want. Uh, there will be no slowing down. Took a break, but this is, uh, this is my jam and this is what I want. This is my passion. And, uh, yeah. So leave a rating, leave a review on iTunes. It mean a lot. Share my articles on Twitter, Facebook, wherever. Um, and join me as I keep climbing the ladder and, all of that because I I just I need your support. So if you like the podcast, keep listening, keep subscribing, tell tell your friends, keep sharing it out, keep reading my work, and uh, yeah. So okay, all right, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. <laughs> um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to a Thursday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. I am now joined by an old friend who I have not talked to in a while, but he still is. He is in the NBA Twitter sphere. 
He is a father now. Lots change because <laughs> everybody in NBA Twitter just, we get old and keep progressing and it gets weird because you have to think about how long you've known these people on NBA Twitter and you're like, oh my God, I'm almost 30. I've known this person and followed them and read their work since like 2007. This is ridiculous. But anyway, that person laughing in the background, David Zavok. Do I remember how to pronounce your last name? I don't even remember. Zavok? Zavok? Yeah, I never actually correct people, but um, so I, I might not have even told you right before, but uh, actually Zavak. Yeah, see, there's, I got, I, I even threw out two different options and I was yeah. still wrong. So um, we're <laughs> off to a great start, <laughs> but David, um, I appreciate you making the time tonight. Um, there is a multitude of reasons. I'm sure you're like, oh, why is Chase reaching out to me <laughs> in uh, late August? to talk about the Cavs. Well, um, David, I can answer that for you. I don't really understand this team. I am intrigued by what they're doing. I think people should be talking about this team a little bit more and not just because they're bringing back the old uh, Mark Price uniforms, the Ricky Davis uniforms um, for a little bit this year. But it's more of like, I think they're just in this weird situation that I am I'm curious how Cavs fans and how people who follow this team look at the state of their their post LeBron rebuild. So what is what is Cleveland doing with Colin Sexton and Darius Garland? Yeah, so I, I think there's a there's a few things that are going on with the Cavs. One, um I'm sort of famously negative, but I think that they're actually Except the, about Kyrie. Yeah, Ky, yeah, Kyrie, but even that like that was like, it's weird because Cavs fans like Kyrie was like the only thing they were ever really negative about. And then they were Mm -hmm. very, very wrong when he made the shot and then uh, Mm -hmm. ended up being right. So um, Kyrie is a a weird case. (laughs) You feel good about that. Yeah. And then, you know, that's a, that's a whole podcast. Maybe we'll do that sometime. Cause, uh, cause I have recently written about the nets and I think they're interesting, but um, no, I mean, the Cavs are probably the worst team in the NBA. Um, I don't think so. Really? Yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think all of the statistical models that are, are sort of coming out sort of point to that. I think, I think I, here's what, I, what I'll say. If, if Kevin Love is healthy for 65 games, you know, then maybe, the, maybe there are four or five teams that are worse. But if you get what they've gotten recently from him, which is, uh, not that, um, mm-hmm. then I think, you know, they have, a, they're going to give a lot of minutes to young players and teams that give a lot of mm-hmm. minutes to young players just don't win. So I think they're trying to rebuild the right way. Um, I think that the Colin Sexton pick, they just were really, really high on him and I don't totally understand it. He started to live up to it, um, in the last two months of last season but I think the gar- so, so I think if, if they made the Garland pick and then the Sexton pick, it would maybe be a little bit more easy to understand, or at least they would have made the Garland pick and maybe that would have kept them from taking Sexton. But I think Garland is a very Why do you easy. See that? I, I think Garland's like a very easy pick to defend. Like I think hmm. his shooting ability. Um, I think I think he was the high upside pick. Um, I, I don't really have any issues with the Garland pick. I still have questions about the Sexton pick. I think it was to the point where they know that Sexton's not really a point guard. Maybe he's just going to be a guy off the bench long term. Garland is is. But you is, don't draft is, that in the lottery. 
Yeah, no, I know. Um, and, and and I think, yeah, I think their, their, their plan is to be in the lottery again next year, but um, they're certainly not trying Even if it's not their win. plan, I think that's going to be in the cards for this yeah, cast. No, and, and, and they, their pick, <clears throat> if it's not in the top 10, it would go to Atlanta. So they have every incentive to be bad. Mm. Is that um, true? I didn't even realize. Yeah, I forgot about this. What, from, what deal was from, this? From the Kyle Korver trade. So when they traded for Kyle oh, Korver. Right. So, but here's the thing. If, if it doesn't go to Atlanta this year, it basically is just done. So if, if the Cavs hmm. have a top 10 pick this year, they basically don't owe Atlanta anything. So they have every incentive to, to you know, give it another shot in the lottery, be bad, let Garland and Sexton play together. Maybe they're terrible, but you know what? That serves a purpose too. So um, they'll, they'll I mean, get... that's why they're going to be playing Della Vadova, Jordan Clarkson right. still on this team. <laughs> well, and that's where, that's where I think, you know, if, if you really are going to be, you know, who, who knows what'll happen with Sexton and Garland. It probably won't work, but who cares to try it out? But then, you yeah. know, why is Jordan Clarkson there? I don't have an answer to that. Um, Delhi, you know, who cares? Because, you know, he at least isn't going to fire up a ton of shots. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, no, I fire think up that espresso machine though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and until he, uh, goes to the hospital. Um, mm-hmm. no, I, yeah. So, I mean, they are a very, that's a very weird roster. It's expensive. I mean, they are brushing right up against the luxury tax. Um, are they really? And, who are oh, they yeah. paying? Because it. Hey, okay, so who's? I mean, you have Larry Nance, who got a pretty affordable deal. I mean, is Brandon Knight still in the books? Yes. Yeah. How are they, they brushing him against the? Okay, so it's Brandon yeah. Knight. And so friends. they're paying Brandon Knight fifteen million. They're paying Tristan Thompson eighteen million. They have uh, Delhi is thing making like eleven or something like that, maybe ten. Oh god. Um, they what's in what's it's almost impressive, Chase. They have like six. <laughs> they, have, they have like six guys on expiring contracts. Jordan Clarkson's one of them. That like total up to like eighty million dollars. Like six players, eighty million dollars. And like Matt Moore and some other people have done like uh, top thirty free agents of next year. And mm-hmm. none of none of them are are top thirty. <laughs> so, so so eighty million dollars worth of guys who like are not like really enticing so on one hand they have these expiring contracts that they can be flexible with um it's unclear how much you know teams would want them you know you know maybe tristan thompson plays well and a team you know talks themselves into trading for him you know that's possible um you know he could be a fit you know maybe in brooklyn i don't know how they'd make it work in in la but i'm sure lebron would like him um mm. but but they I have think he like belongs young... in houston honestly Maybe, yeah. I mean, Tyson uh, Chandler is the backup right now in, in Houston. I think Capella, you can't be counted on play eighty two games, and I think he'd actually be a really perfect fit in in Houston. I don't know yeah. what they could offer because they really have nobody else outside of like six guys, and they have to keep all of them. So I don't really know what they can bring to the table other than like because they don't really have the kind of contracts to make it work. So and that's I don't know. That's that's where yeah, yeah. So they it's a weird roster because they have they finally have some young dudes that they can at least try and figure out, you know, if, if they have anything, they still have, um, Chetty Osman. Um, Oh, we have to talk about, we have to talk about my guy, (laughs) Chetty Osman. What do you think about Chetty Osman these days? Uh, you know, we, we had like the big hype machine for him last summer Mm -hmm. and then, yes, you did. Um, the Cavs are so one thing that like, you know, that 
people who don't follow the Cavs every day, and, and why would you, quite frankly? But uh, they didn't well, I'm a psycho, like, and I keep up with all these teams every day. I, so that's... Fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. They, like, didn't have healthy power forwards for most of the year. So, like, they kept mm-hmm. putting, like, David Nawaba or Chetty Osman at power forward, and then they would, like, get hurt immediately because they they just can't, like, physically do that. And so, like, Chetty, it would seem like, you know, when they played him you know, on the wing, you know, he'd be okay. He wasn't having like a breakout year, but then he was banged up for most of the year because they'd push him into, into things that were just not really what his body could handle. And, um, you know, so I don't know. I, I, I said at one point, it wouldn't surprise me if they gave him an extension. And I said like, like four years, 22 million. And I had, you know, half of Twitter tell me, no way, that's not nearly enough. He would never do that. And then the other half of Twitter saying, why on earth would you give him that much money? He was garbage last year. And I sort of understand hmm. both I understand both perspectives because, you know, I do think he's he still could be, you know, a really nice bench piece, decent wing defender who can handle the ball a little bit. But uh, he certainly didn't prove it last year. So I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> I um I want him to be the point forward that I've dreamed about. Like he yeah. needs to go ahead and he needs to take that Hadu Turkolo mantle mantle because um it's time, Chetty. Yeah. It's it's, yeah, it's time to make it happen. It's not like I don't I don't think that's like a crazy I mean Hado Turkolo, he's not he's not gonna be that good. But like it's not like crazy to think he could do that off the bench and be like a helpful player. Um you know, and so I think what's nice about and and I'll say this: Cavs fans have sort of talked themselves into this being a fun season. I don't know how you have fun when, yeah, when when oh, you God. win when you win twenty two games, it's, it's usually not fun. But if mm. there's a benefit to no expectations, it's you know, if Chetty Osmond's great, that's gravy. If he's not, okay, well, we'll you couldn't really expect a whole lot anyway. So. Um, I mean, the whole way, the only way this team is fun this year, or the this is fun if you're a Cavs fan, is if the the backcourt duo looks like a a real thing. They can play together. That can just score a bunch. That can just be a pain in the ass. That just looks like a backcourt that you can actually build around. Like if it shows any, it not, not obviously you're not going to get like Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum type stuff, or Bradley Beal, John Wall. But like that's the thing is if you see those two as like oh they can play together and you look at some splits and you're like oh. They're the on off with these two on the floor is not god awful, but like right. I, I that's that's what makes this fun. But because I mean, the Hawks had the same thing last year where they were just awful in the first part of the season, and then Trey started doing stuff later on. You're like, oh, this this team still sucks, but they're exciting, sucks. And yeah, I uh, that might be a possibility, it just depends on what Garland and Sexton look like together. Yeah, and I think, uh, I, for me, I don't even care about sexton quite frankly like if darius you were really out on sexton yeah no i mean i i mean i was and and and, not a fan and and he he played better so you know i'm not even really trying to be a jerk about it but i think you're just a big penny hardaway fan didn't like what con sexton did to his kid a couple years ago back in the day in the aau circuit there you go. Um, I actually, Penny Hardaway was like my first ever favorite player. So there you go. See, this uh, is all coming together. That's why you don't like Con Sexton because he yeah. went at Penny Hardaway's son and just made his life a living hell in that memorable AAU <laughs> clip from years ago. Mm-hmm. 
but it makes sense. You have a but grudge. I, but I just think if Garland is good enough, that's that's enough for me. Like I'm not gonna like put all these extra expectations. Like he also has to because that's that's the that is the problem with playing Sexton and Garland together is you are it's already like super difficult for young NBA players, and now you're adding to the degree of difficulty. Like these guys are just trying to assert themselves as being able to score in the NBA. Now you want them to also like share the ball and, you know, run a, a modern NBA offense. Like I think it's something that NBA Twitter doesn't like get like just how hard it is for a 19 year old to be good. Um, you know, cause like even like Trey young, like how helpful was he to like winning basketball games last year? Um, I mean, he was helpful in the last couple months, the last two months he was helpful for sure. But, Okay, so get the way that Trey Young played last year, do you think that's conducive mm-hmm. to like winning a playoff series? No, because I no, think the, the, the playoff like, series is just different. Because like I'm, uh, I'm very, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with this, but I, I still think the Luca trade, um, worse in Atlanta history by far. Well, and it it's still just god awful. And Trey is just going to be a turnstile in the playoffs. Like we just we know how the playoffs work, where teams are just going to be like, oh. Trey is this size. We're going to put him in a pick and roll over and over and over again. Trey just can't get bigger. He can't grow. He can't like his frame just doesn't. It's it's just not conducive to be a good player. Like he had one of the de- worst defensive real plus minuses of all time last year. Like it's but, just, but he's going to be God awful. But that's, that's my, that, you, uh, you're, I would say you're kind of making my point where I think you're right. Like yeah. on, on one hand, I think you're right because his body size is what it is. And, and, and you can't change that. On the no. other hand, if you're expecting a 19-year-old to have like a good defensive anything, like when like when has that ever happened? Right? But you like, could see it with Sexton. You could see him being a really good defender. Like uh, the way he plays, I could see if like because a lot of defense is just motivation and just the way guys play. Like I could see him being with the right coach just a pain in the ass. Like I could see him being a good on-ball defender. Like I could see a scenario. He also has the body type for it. I I don't know. I, I think Sexton could. I'm not saying he will, but if I had to pick between him and Trey Young as who's going to be, who would I bet on to be a better defender 10 years from now? I would bet on Sexton, but I also would bet on Trey unanimously as a better offensive player. So I, I, I don't know. It's complicated. No, and, and I think that that's fair. I think um, my point would be, you know, you're just looking for tools in the first couple of years because if you're looking for a sort of complete player or a finished product, you're, you're just obviously not going to get that. So I, you know, I think that Trey young in three or four years when Atlanta is ready to win, at least mentally, he'll be uh, able to understand, you know, what he's reading defensively. Um, and I would hope that mentally he will sort of understand the importance of, of defending. And I would say, you know, Kyrie is an example of somebody who, you know, in his first three years, didn't really care very much about defending. But when he had to in the NBA finals, he sort of got to a level where it was acceptable enough. I think Trey can do that. Um, But like, I I just don't think expecting Colin and Darius to like know how to run a, a competent NBA offense together is good enough. But if I see Darius Garland makes him off the dribble threes that make me think he can do that at this level, I'm going to be happy. True or false, Thompson and Love are on this team in the summer of 2020. 
Uh, definitely not both of them. You know, I think, I think, I think, I think there's a, a strong likelihood that Tristan Thompson gets traded. Um, could be soon, Before could Kevin be later. Left. Yes, I, I would guess so. Um, hmm. And and part of it goes back to like, you know, trying to help both Garland and Sexton's development. Like, I want them to have like a competent offensive player to work off off of. Um, it gets complicated when the team is three and fifteen, and Kevin Love wants to be traded, um, which could could certainly happen. In fact, I would probably guess that it will happen. Um, hmm. That he'll but, ask for a trade. Yeah, I, I think that all things equal, the Cavs would much would, would be much happier moving a Tristan Thompson than than Kevin Love. Even though obviously you you could probably get a little bit more back for Love. Hmm. I don't know what the value is for Kevin Love these days. Like, I have no idea what his value would be. I don't know what a trade would look like for him. I don't know what kind of assets so many of these GMs would give up for a big like Kevin Love at this point in his career. Like, I I have no idea. Like. Tristan Thompson, pretty easy. Like rim runner, like there's a bunch of guys like Tristan Thompson, like a contender will want him and that will be that. But like Kevin Love, I just I don't I don't know what he would bring back. I don't know if he would even give you a first round pick. I, I don't know what would your expectations be for a Kevin Love trade. Like what would you want in return at this point? Um this is like the most I would say of all of the um uh, issues in Cavs Twitter. This is like the most divisive because you know, obviously, hmm. every every week somebody comes up with a Kevin Love trade, and Cavs fans are offended by it because it's not valuing him at the level that you know uh, they think that you know he, he should get. Um, if there was a way to get some sort of like top. 15 to 18 protected first round pick, um, you know, plus a, you know, and or a, you know, a nice young, you know, 20 or 21 year old player who's sort of shown a couple, you know, skills, um, basically like a Chetty Osmond type player from another team that, you know, you could feel good about maybe trying to develop. Um, you know, that, that's kind of what you're looking for. You might have to take that, you know, because Kevin Love makes so much, you might have to take, you know, back a bit, you know, a bad contract. Um, but like I said, my, my inclination would be get him as many minutes with Darius Garland as possible, because, you know, if you're going to develop his passing, you're going to give him space to work. Uh, you know, Kevin Love is, is your best offensive player and, and he, he helps more on the team right now. You know, next summer, you know, maybe you change your mind. Or like I said, you know, if, if he wants out, then you, you kind of have to do that. I would do the Atlanta trade. Remember how that was rumored a couple months ago? And I would I would welcome it. And Falcon, or Falcons fans, Hawks fans were a little bit concerned about like, oh, we can't bring in a guy like that. It'll mess up our just trajectory. And also like Kevin Love's not moving the bottom line that much. Like the, the Hawks are going to be right. a fringe playoff team with or without Kevin Love. I look at it as more of like, oh, they have a bunch of cap space next year. And guess what? Draymond Green, the only real target for them because Travis Link drafted him and was the, the guy who really wanted him in Golden State he's gone like that the 2020 class is just garbage so what are you spending that money on like i would rather use some of their 
assets right now and just trade for a, a contract that's on the books for a couple of years that can help you win because this is basically your core now like like it or not i think it's a bad core to develop around i think it's a bad core to invest heavily in because i don't think there's anyone in there that profiles a top 10 guy but look they're getting out they're gonna be good they're gonna be in the playoffs for like 10 plus years great are they ever gonna contend with this core absolutely not but if there is a way for me to just look at this team and be like, oh, this is a playoff team. It's like you bring in Kevin Love and you start him in Collins and you look at just, okay, John Collins is a rebounding machine. Kevin Love is a rebounding machine. Like if you want to, like, I, I love Dean Oliver's like four factors and everything else where it's like, if you want to just build out from Collins and Love and then having Trey Young with pick and pops with him and just like that would just be a pain in the ass to defend with those guys and Kevin Herter on the perimeter with Hunter and everybody else like Alan Crabb like it's just it would be very fun it would make sense and I think Kevin Love would be happy playing in that kind of scheme and just he would look really good in it um I don't know if he'd want to go to a team that's a French playoff team at this point but I also just don't think contenders are going to be all that interested outside of like maybe portland like if they're like oh we're close we'll we'll just do it um i don't know there's just not a lot of teams that just make a lot of sense to me and i'm if i'm a gm like i'm not giving up a bunch of assets for a big at this point in his career and just really giving up a lot of assets for a big in general so i the reason the reason why it makes sense for atlanta is 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 the same reason he makes sense for the Cavs, right like he he helps that young that young core move forward and it's a guy that like Trey Young has to respect and like he's won an NBA title and he's friends with LeBron James. Right. Um, he's just not gonna push the- a contender over the top. Like that's the other thing. It's like it's not gonna bring in some colossal return because nobody who trades for him, like the Bucks if they traded for him, they're not gonna be more likely to win the title with Kevin Love. It's just not how it works. Yeah, the the problem though then is the same reason why he wants to leave Cleveland is the same reason why he would not be enthused about going to Atlanta. So right. you have to. You yeah, have I just to don't it. know. There's not a great option. He might be in trouble. Well, he's helped by the fact that the league is more wide open. You know, uh, he's probably not like a star star anymore. But if you are a team with two stars and you think you know, you can add him and, and he does move the dial just a little bit. Um, you know, obviously Portland's the team that's always mentioned, but Utah, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. Utah is always mentioned. Um, does he put him over the top? I don't know. I can't, I can't say that, but, um, I, I can see a team talking themselves into it more now, um, than I could maybe two months ago. Yeah. Last thing. And then we'll wrap up here. Uh, John Beeline, new coach. Wanted to get out of college. His, uh, I think his son coaches like an hour and a half away in uh, Ohio somewhere. Um, what are your expectations for John Beeline? Were you surprised when it happened? Do you think this is something that Dan Gilbert is going to give him a long leash that he'll be here for the long haul? What do you What do you make of the John Beeline era? And hey, I can't, I cannot, I cannot predict Dan Gilbert in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> I think, I think like. Dan Gilbert was always going to go for kind of a name outside the box choice. He's, you know, he always wants his, Oh, David Blatt was an outside the box choice. Um, uh, you know, um, he always keeps us on our toes. I think it's kind of the, the best possible, um, outcome like of that, right? Like, um, I think 
D-line, um, at least offensively, is open-minded. His teams at Michigan, you know, shot a lot of threes. Um, they used, you know, off-the-bounce creation. Um, what I worry about is, you know, at Michigan, he was the man, and he, um, you know, the the players really had to toe the line for him, right? Versus in the NBA, the players have all of the powers. So I'm curious to see how he um, – how he responds to that but we'll see well he'll, he should be great for colin sexton then sounds like that's a match made in heaven folks i, I mean i think colin Sexton's pretty coachable so we'll see okay all right um i don't think I, my last prediction on the Cavs. i don't think they're the worst team in basketball this year i think they're bottom five i just i still think it's the wizards because every okay. game that bradley beal does not play they literally do not have a shot at winning that game <laughs> They do not, yeah. like, they can't win. Like, that roster is that bad around him. Like, you think the Cavs yeah. roster is bad. They don't even have the young guys to throw out there and steal a couple games. Like, Bradley Beal, he's like, I'm giving it a DMP rest. Guess what? Go ahead and mark that down as a loss because that game is yeah. over. I I still think it's the Wizards, but I don't know. We'll Wait, have to see. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, you want it. You want the Cavs to be the worst team in basketball next year. Um, yeah. A little bit, I guess. I don't know. Um, David, thank you so much. Go check out fearthesword.com. Is there anything we need to check out from you this week? Uh, no, I'm actually doing a little bit for Complex Magazine. We're ranking okay. best, We're ranking the best football movies of all time, so maybe look up. Mm. But, uh, what is the best, best football movie for you? For me, uh, there really aren't that many good ones, I don't think, but uh, not say, compared to like yeah. baseball. Um, but actually growing up, Rudy was my favorite movie. Um, but I'm, I'm mm. kind of a Notre Dame fan. Toledo is like super Catholic and kind of in the middle of Notre Dame, Michigan and, uh, and, uh, Ohio state. So, um, it's pretty crazy. Can it be the water boy? I think the water boy. <laughs> so it's funny that you ask because yeah. I've, I'm, I, I have three movies in the rankings that I wrote about Rudy is one and the water water boy is another. So, uh, okay. water boy is, is pretty high up on the list. It's higher than Rudy. Um, if that gives you an indication of complex. So, okay, um, good. Cause I'm just yeah. like, not a lot of great football movies. And like, if I had to like pick one to just throw on in the background, it's like that or longest yard or I don't know. I mean, yeah. Friday night lights, the movie was good, but I'm a bigger fan of the show. Little giants. Can't rule Little that one out. On the list. Um, I'm also writing about Friday Night Lights. So. Okay. <laughs> We're on the same page. We're on the same yeah. page. All right. Yeah. We'll go check that out from David. David, thank you for making the time, sir. Hey, hey thanks, Chase. Talk to you soon. All right. We're back on the Chase Thomas Podcast. I am now joined by old friend, Nick Stellini. Nick, good evening. How are you doing, sir? Good. How are you? I am good. New mic, new Nick. The same mic I've had for a while, but I just had to, you know, get a plug in and stuff. Okay. Okay. How's how's everything going? Uh, pretty good. How are you doing? Uh, a lot of change. A lot of change in my life. Um, yeah, same. The, the, good, the good kind of change, I would say. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Just different. Yeah, me too. Um, there's a lot of change going on in Kansas city right now, Nick. And I want to bounce on a couple just little things here tonight. Um, baseball, we're, we're kind of like, we just know the Braves are going to win the NL East twins are looking good. The Yankees are looking good. 
the Astros might have the best team in baseball. Like the Dodgers are fine. Like it's it's pretty much set up for the most part. Um, but the Glass family has thrown a wrench in Kansas City. Um, what does the the potential Royals sale mean for the Royals going forward? Um, so I'm not sure how much this really means. Um, given the modern state of baseball. Um, so the Royals are supposedly being um, market like there's this guy from the, the Indians, uh, John Sherman, the vice chairman of the Indians, is supposedly vying to purchase the Royals from David Glass. Um, so mm. I'm not sure how much would actually change. Like at any time this sort of thing happens, you get this thought of, oh, new ownership means a new perspective and a new checkbook and everything like that. The thing about baseball in 2019, 2020 going forward is that nobody wants to spend money. Um, and I, I don't know how much money John Sherman has. Obviously a lot of these buying a baseball team, you know, this is probably going to go down for like a billion dollars. So um, he's got a good amount of money. Um, but having that money and being willing to spend it is another thing entirely, especially when you're in a market like Kansas city, which is a small market to be fair. Um, but being in a small market also gives you the excuse of, Oh, we're a small market team. Um, that being said, the Royals farm system is ascendant. Once again, they have a lot of good talent. There's good things going on down there. It starts servicing at some point in the near future. Um, so whether or not they build around that core is the question because we've seen teams have really good farm systems and then bring those guys up and have nothing to show for it because they didn't put pieces around the, the young players. Um, ideally, this guy would spend more than David Glass has on his team. Um, but who but if knows? we know anything about the Indians structure and that front yes, office that, that, is that, that they're that, definitely going to go all in on spending. That's where I was going. I mean, you've already had Paul Dolan come out and say, oh, enjoy Francisco Lindor while you can. Um, Still one of the most insane things that did not get enough publicity, I think. No, time. like that happened in the press. And like, it just was like, OK, no, that hat doesn't think it like, got. And they talk shit about his leadership behind the scenes. Like the uh, the, the the GM. I forgot. Oh, what is his name? Uh, Chernoff. Huh? Chernoff. Was it Chernoff? It was someone. I, I don't think it was Chernoff. It was like their VP. They have like all these different types. Um, the Indians. It wasn't Chernoff, but it was the one right above him who has like the fake title. Um, I, I forgot who it is off the top of my head. Was anyway, Mark Shapiro before he Shapiro, left? Or, yes. It was Mark Shapiro before, was. He, before he left to run Toronto? Mm-hmm. I think that's what uh, it was. Oh, okay. And like you, like it was just throwing it out there of like, are we sure he's a leader? Like one of those things where they were talking about Lindor of like, we just aren't, we're not sure if we can pay somebody like uh, Lindor if he's a real leader. He was really close with Brantley and they let Brantley go. And Brantley was like this subtle clubhouse guy. It just the way they phrased it was just like, they're already throwing this dude under the bus before he's even out the door. And just like it make it just ass backwards of how you'd want your uh, pro sports team to, to operate, I think. Just a little bit, yeah. But yeah, it seems like this is like all but done. And I wonder how long this has been in the works because he is 84 and it would seem very MLB-y to just do this months in advance of just like, hey, and if you look at the way he got into um, the Indians um, ownership group, you're like, oh, this dude's like, a, I don't know. He's, he's clearly, Sherman's been 
been on the radar for a while and he's clearly wanted his own team and all that kind of stuff. It kind of reminds me of what happened with the Panthers um, with the minority owner from the Steelers who was just waiting for his time and got it. But also he's a billionaire and he's also kind of a crazy person. It seems like so. Um, I I don't know. We'll have to see, but like, it can't be any worse. Like the Royals, I don't think are going to spend less. Famous I mean, last can... word. <laughs> can they spend less? Could he be cheaper than David glass? Are we sure? Uh, you want to find out? I guess he purchased this team for $96 million in 2000, by the way. And he's going to make so much money off of it. But you know, baseball's dying. We can't spend on players. God, the money he is going to make off the Kansas City Royals is the Royals. The, I, I it just wow. Um, it should be interesting to see though if Dayton Moore survives this because, like, that was the other interesting thing is that like he stayed on because there was questions about whether or not he would go because John Turnholtz kind of may or may not have wanted him in Atlanta and there was some mutual interest it seemed like there. But I mean, he has family in Kansas, all that kind of stuff. He's been there forever. Um. He had a cushy gig, right? Like this team was supposed to be bad for a while. He has carte blanche to just do whatever for a couple of years. Jorge Solar can have a great year. Fun. Great. Came out of nowhere. Fantastic. But they're not going to be good. And he knows that they're not going to be good. And the Glass family knew they were not going to be good for years, but they got their ring and he had just time. And now it's a new owner and it's like, well, what if he's not about any of that? So I, I wonder if he's starting to second guess, not just going to Atlanta and taking that gig versus hanging out in Kansas city and expecting things to just be the status quo for the next 10 years. Um, yeah, I mean like new ownership groups typically want to get their own guy in there. Right. That being said, Moore's got a track record here. He's got a world series ring. Um, I don't know. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, like you said, there is that Braves connection. Um, if I had to guess, I would say he goes not because he's necessarily done a bad job. I don't think he's done a terrible job there. Um, I just think that, you know, it's time maybe for a fresh perspective and the new ownership is going to want their own person. Um, they're probably going to hire some 35-year-olds from Harvard, um, which is fine. That's how it goes these days. Um, Dayton Moore is always going to have a place in baseball somewhere. Um that or he gets hired by some. See, know, I think if he gets porn. moved out he gets hired of by some Kansas City, I think he's done. Group. I don't think we see him again. So you think he's going to go to some anti-porn lobbying group in K Street? I I think he's just gonna. I don't know if you read about his story and his Kansas roots and everything. I I don't know. I think I could see him just being like, no, I think I'm good. I mean, he'd be fine for the rest of his life. He doesn't actually have to do this anymore. Right, I'm just saying, like, if somebody wants him, they'll they'll. Like, I don't if, if, if he, I'm saying, I'm saying, if if he wants to stay in baseball, there will be a place for him. Somebody's gonna hire. Probably, him. yeah. Hmm. He's only 52, so yeah. I, hmm. I don't know. I, I it should be interesting to see how that works. Um, the Boston Red Sox, who I think we've all written written off. It. I mean, I just I don't I don't know you what to think to about this team it. right now. What what do you make of them? I, I, I make of them that, that it's funny. Um, mm-hmm. I just think it's funny. Um, you know, they have two guys who are probably in like the top six or seven that will be in the uh, MVP voting this year, probably, uh, in Devers and Bogarts. 
they also have some which is guys insane because we thought it was gonna be Betts and I mean maybe Sale. I well, guess. that's what I was, that's what like you've also got Mookie Betts and JD Martinez on the team. We're not having bad years, by the way. Um, you've got Andrew Benintendi on this team. Christian Vasquez figure out how to hit, and they're still not going to make the playoffs. Um, part of that is that Chris Sale's elbow didn't totally blow up, but it's bad now. Um, he had an up and down year. Um, David Price was actually pretty good before he got hurt. Um, but the pitching is just, eh, you know, Rick Porcello is having the bad Rick Porcello year. Um, and then they let Craig Kimbrell and Joe Kelly go and didn't do anything to replace them. And the bullpen has been suspect as shocker. I know. Um, yeah, the, the depth is just not there because the system has been bad. They traded away a lot of their guys. Like I'm shocked. Dave Dombrowski didn't build a good bullpen. Um, they traded for Andrew Cash. Well, you didn't have to build anything. All he had to do was just re-sign Kelly and Kimbrel, or 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 replace them. Right. And, yeah, just replace um, them. <laughs> which they just said, no, screw it, we're not going to do that. Yeah. Um, we're going to count on Ryan Brazier being good again. And shocker, he's not. Um, that's not to say that uh, it's been a total disaster. Matt Barnes or uh, Brandon Workman's really broken out. Uh, Matt Barnes has been solid again, but again, they traded for Andrew Kashner as the answer, and that didn't work. Marcus Walden's been okay. Uh, to his credit. Um, yeah, not good. It's, um, I don't want them to make the playoffs just because I don't think they deserve it. For yeah, the way they operated this offseason, I'm just like, no, no, you deserve this, Dave Dombrowski and this ownership group. This is ridiculous. Like, the arrogance yeah, of just thinking you could do this without investing in your bullpen and doing other stuff. Like, no, sorry, don't want you in it. Let's get raise, raise A's. Let's do that. Uh, and that's, that's no misfortune on the players themselves. Who, right. They, they've clearly balled out this year, to their credit. Um, but no, I mean, like Dabrowski and John Henry, they – and again, most of this is probably John Henry, to be fair. I don't think Dave Dabrowski said – Right, he's a very win-now GM. That, that, that's not his MO. Yeah. Um, that's screw it. We're not going to do it. I mean, to be fair, they won a World Series last year. They did. So you can't – you can't like really bury them, but also like, well, it's just weird because like, you know, like you've already depleted this farm system enough where it's like, you just might as well just see this through. Like Dombrowski is not going to be around this team five years from now and everything else. Just like keep riding this wave until the end, especially like stuff coming up mid season of like, they're not going to pay Mookie bets. Like kind of like the Lindor stuff. There's talk of trading Mookie bets, which which is is just insanity. Right. (laughs) Insanity. Um, like if you don't want to pay him, that's fine. But like, no, you're the Red Sox. You're top three in payroll every year forever. No, you just pay one of your one of the top I mean, ten players in baseball. You pay I mean, him forever. I, I mean, I agree, but also like if you're like for some reason committed to not paying him, just like write it out. But also, like, why are you committed to not paying him? What are these teams right, but, doing? But the, but, that, but then you're willingly saying no. I don't want Mookie Betts on my team for the next two years while I have my young core. Yeah, and I'm in win now. Like that's insane. You don't trade a top ten player in win now mode. That's that's hustling backwards. Yeah. I, I don't understand any of that. Um, I don't know. I just hope they don't make the playoffs. I, I That's that's all I hope for is the Red Sox to, to miss the playoffs to. and to address all of these weird, dumb decisions that they've made. And they can – but the thing is, like, and I talked to John Taylor of SI about this in that I, I think – it's not like this is, like, a tough fix. The Red Sox can easily no. address a lot of these problems no, this, this winter. Very easy to fix. Yes. <laughs> They'll be fine next year. Like they can easily address this, but this year they, they can be fine next year. Let's put it that way. Yes, um, they're not in dire straits. Let's put it that way. Um, Baltimore, though, 
Um, they've given up a thousand home runs to the Yankees this year, but they also cleaned house. So I don't know how much you're keeping an eye on what's going on with the front office changes with layoffs or something. Yes. And they haven't hired anyone to replace them. And there's been miscommunication as to Elias has said that they're going to hire somebody else to fill these roles. But these are people with the team, like cross multiple general managers. Like it goes back from Dan Duquette and guys before that. It's not just an, a, a, a simple changeover. Like he no. is completely cleaning house. And I think that's interesting because there's been a lot of questions over the last couple of years of like, who's actually running the Orioles. Like there's been all these different pieces in the Baltimore sun, everything else of like, it's the Angelos. Is it Brady Anderson? <laughs> Remember that stuff? Like yes. no one really knows who's running them. And now I, mean, I think it's pretty clear. Michael Elias is running. The yeah. Orioles. Like that's what I think. That's the most interesting is like, he clearly got a lot more power than I think we would have expected him to. Right. I mean, like, I'm not, be- I'm not okay. surprised by that because multiple reasons. One, um, they got their man when they did that search. I mean, he he's the wartime consigliere. Um, also, he's from the Astros. Um, you don't hire Jeff Luna as number two guy to have him take orders. You know what I mean? Um, but you're the Orioles. Like, would would that really surprise you if the Angelus family was like, no, you're going to listen to us? I don't think they would have hired him if they wanted a yes man, is what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Um and I think they're smart enough to know who they're hiring. Um, Mike Elias is very much in the mold of the Jeff Lunau, this is how we're doing it, screw you, Astros. Um, he's that same analytics, financial background, if I remember correctly. Um, he is. So, yeah, I mean, this is what was going to happen. They were going to downsize the staff, invest in – they were going to downsize the scouting staff, mind, is what I mean, mm-hmm. um, invest in, you know, 23-year-olds from MIT and Stanford who are going to work long hours for crap pay because they're rich kids and build computer models. Um, this is what was always going to happen. Um, I'm not surprised by any of this. I'm not, I guess it just goes back to like everything I've ever read about the Angelus family and the way the Orioles have operated. And like, it was rumored of like, who's like the brother situation and like, yeah, it was very strange. So I I didn't know why Elias took this job because when I was looking at it, I'm like, this is a terrible job because like, if you're a prospective Orioles GM, like what, what do you think you're walking into? Like, I have no, they might get sold next year. Like, I I don't know. I I think Peter Angelus also wants to win a world series. Hmm. I don't know what I I don't know. I, I think it's it sucks though when you read the stories of like these guys have been here 15 years and like the the reports are it's like these guys aren't bad at their jobs. Like this dude just wants less of them and wants to do things differently. And I I, mean, I don't the, know how the, I feel about the it. The Orioles' player development and scouting record has been mixed. I would say, mm-hmm. um, like uh, I mean Machado was a good one. I mean yes, that was hard to screw up. But if you look at the track record, I mean. I mean, this is more the player development than scouting, I guess. Yeah. But, um, I think the player development. The, like Zach the Britton, guys too, right? like that, Kevin Gaussman, like those weren't bad I picks. Mean, right. But I mean, like, and obviously Zach Britton turned into an all world closer, but like, you know, he failed as a starter. Um, Kevin Gaussman never really found his footing there. Hunter Harvey only just got up because he couldn't stop getting hurt. Dylan Bundy, again, their, their pitching development track record is god awful. Um, I mean, it's, it's a running joke at this point. Like, oh, God, Orioles pitching prospect. Um, I mean, even their hitting development. Like, yeah, Trey Mancini's a, a win. Um, 
I mean, you can't totally kill them because they pulled out the Eric Bedard trade, um, and that was you know the biggest coup ever. Um, but I mean, look at their guys. I mean, it, 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 it's it's good and bad. Like Chance Sesco has not hit, um, but they found Anthony Santander. That's a really nice Rule Five pick. Um, DJ Stewart, I like him a lot. Uh, Rado Nunez has been good this year. Um, but just their, their pitching track record is awful. Um, they they haven't produced as many bats as they should have. Um, I mean, I mean, give them give the Orioles credit. They had a nice little run. Um, there was a stretch where they won more games in the American League than any other team. Um, I think it was like a four or five year stretch where they did that. And that, that's that's not nothing. Um, and it doesn't turn into a ring, and it sucks. Um, but at the same time, there like you know, I have a, like this was always coming in some regard, not to this. Um, this depth of it and uh, not to the way it happened when a, you know, Astros efficiency fetishism destruction. Um, But there was always going to be some sort of shake up here because the results just weren't enough. Yeah. Well, it should be interesting to see how this works. They've got a long way to go and it's going to be a lot of losing for several more years. I think in Baltimore, especially in that division. Um, How are the A's? able to rise back out of the ashes for you again. Uh, what, what did you see this year? Um, they did their deal with the devil again. That's, mm. that's all I got. Um, <laughs> no. So the mats are good. Um, Chapman and Olsen, they are mm-hmm. good. Uh, Marcus Olsen, Simeon. Parview High School legend. He went to my high school. He was brother. Uh, Marcus Simeon is having one of the most underrated seasons in the American League. Yeah. Um, What's changed with him? Because it seems like he's become like a... Uh, just a different player. He's good now. <laughs> um, uh-huh. Uh That that's I mean he his defense has completely done a one eighty. Um, he's always had the hitting talent. It just it's it's built every year. Um, and now he's really really good. Um, you know it, it, it's there, a lot of it's their bullpen. I mean Liam Hendricks is incredible now. Um, the the defense trade is nice. I mean this is with Blake Trinan taking a step back. Lou Trevino not building on last year, but they, they, they picked up Joaquin Soria. He's been good. Um, you know, my man, Yusmero Petit keeps on, keeps on keeping on. Um, one of my favorite players in the world, Yusmero Petit. Mm-hmm. Scotty was having a nice little year until um, he's hurt right now, but he's having a nice little year. Um, and they're doing this without Shamanaya. They're doing this. Uh, AJ Puck only just surfaced. And Oh, Chris Davis has been arguably the worst player in baseball this year. Um, and they're still doing this. It's fun. Um, because they're the A's, they are, you know, doing this without any real, you know, oomph behind things, but, um, they're going to win their 89 games or so and, uh, have fun in the wildcard game again. It's, it's wild. I, the, the Chris Davis stuff is kind of sad and also just it is. perplexing. He just forgot how to do baseball. It's it's not good to forget how to do baseball. Nick. No, um, which is funny because the the, struck, the the walk rate and the strikeout rate are about the same. It's just the ISO is completely gone. Um, he's lost twenty points of batting average, which has killed his OBP, and the power is just gone. Um, it's it's not good. Hmm. I'm ready for the piece to explain this, so hopefully we get that sooner rather than later. Um, but we'll have to see. Uh, last thing we'll wrap up here. Luis Gohara picked up by the Angels. Former top prospect for the Braves. Didn't work out. 
I love this. I think I think I just got picked up by the Angels to pitch. To be fair, he's not Matt Harvey. He's not like one of the. I really was a big Gohara guy, and I a lot of people were. If he's healthy, man, like he's still only twenty three. I oh, just, no, yeah, no, yeah. He's going to get his shots. He's going to get his shots. I think this is a great, great, great value signing for the Angels. I mean, it's it's, a, it's one of those things where you have to do it because it's, it's such a low-risk move. And so low-risk, high reward. Uh, but it's, it's what teams in this position do. They're going to pick up the 23-year-old former top prospects and see what they can do. What, it's going to click for one of them. Right, like some of the, one of these guys is going to happen for one of these teams, and I think Gohara. Like, if I was a team like the Angels, I think that's a dude I invest in. Cause I'm like, okay, this guy just it didn't work out where he was, but he's 23, great stuff. I, I don't know, man. I, I think they're we're going to look at it in a couple of years, and Gohara is going to be one of the better pitchers in the AL. I, I still believe that. I mean, the Angels desperately need that to happen. Yeah, because they don't really have any other options because they can't really trade for um, any of these top-of-the-line talents. And I just, I, I guess they could sign somebody like Bauer or something else later on, but uh, I don't know. Then again, uh, I don't know. The Angels, I just want them to do something. And also, Scooter Jeanette, how much money has he lost in the last like year? Oh, it's awful. Just awful. I cannot believe what happened here to him. It Just a year from hell. He was an MVP candidate last year in the NL. Yeah, it was not good. He's been released by the Giants. I feel like we're not talking enough about Scooter Jeanette. Just, I, I just can't. I, I don't know, man. Baseball's yeah, mean. It's bad. Um, I mean, if, if the Angels were had any any sense, they would back up a truck for uh, Garrett Cole this winter. It's not going to happen. I mean, the, um, the Braves need to back up a, a truck for Garrett Cole. I mean, so. there are a lot of teams that back up a truck for Garrett Cole, but the Angels Do you think are... he stays in Houston? No. Um, so <laughs> another thing that never got – did not get enough play. Um, uh, Crane, the owner for the Astros, mm-hmm. like as soon as they traded for Greg, he basically came out and said, oh, well, with all this money we've added to the – We've added to the books by trading for Zach Greinke. Uh, it, it'll be really hard to retain Garrett Cole without going oh, over the Oh, he's already cap. setting the stage. Without going over the cap were his words. Um, wow. <laughs> what a joke. <laughs> These people are insane. What a joke. <laughs> without going over the cap. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, you know people remember, bought that. Remember, fun. folks, the, sal- the, the the luxury tax is not a salary cap. Remember that. Cap. Supposedly. It's supposedly not a salary cap. Uh, I don't know. Where does he go? Where do you think? Um, I mean, the Yankees are the logical conclusion, in my mind. Hmm. Um, they, they, the Dodgers don't Cash- do stuff like this. Brian Cashman's had a Garrett Cole thing for a decade now. Um, do you know who should do it, but won't? The Brewers. There's about 15 teams that should do it. But, but like, won't. the Brewers just drive me absolutely insane. Like, they're three, game, three games over 500 right now. Like, it's just, they should be better. They're wasting Christian Yelich. So, so here is a list, a, a, a conclusive list of teams that should sign Garrett Cole, but will not. The Boston Red Sox, Chicago White Sox, the Cleveland Indians, the Houston Astros should, but won't. The, the Los Angeles Angels, the Minnesota Twins, the Oakland A's, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays. The Texas Rangers, 
the Chicago Cubs, the Cincinnati Reds, Colorado Rockies, the Milwaukee Brewers, the New York Mets, the Philadelphia Phillies. Actually, they might do it. I will give them credit. They might do it. Uh, the Padres might do it, so I will give them credit. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals should, but won't. And the Arizona Diamondbacks. Wasn't Garrett Cole, like, wasn't the, the holdup the last time Cashman wanted him, wasn't it uh, Clint Frazier? Wasn't that the reason that deal yes. didn't happen with yes. the Pirates? Yes. Wow. Which, at the time, was a smart thing to... to... But looking back, hindsight. Oh, man. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. but yeah. How is he still on the Yankees? Can someone please trade for Clint Frazier and put him in the majors? Can he the Giants will, just go I, ahead and I, trade I, for him? I, I will, the Giants are not going to trade for him. not going to trade for his defense. No. Um, not in that park. No. Um, but I, I will say somewhat definitively Clint Frazier will be in a different organization starting next season. Does he hit 1,000 home runs in Minnesota next year? That's actually um, – so I don't know if he's going to go to Minnesota because I would assume he's a trade ship. I don't think they're just going to straight up cut him. No, and, that would be ridiculous. Could they actually cut that, him? Is that in play? I mean, it's theoretically possible, but they're not going to do it. No. Um, but no, I, and I can't imagine the Twins and Yankees pulling off a trade right now um, because they're such clear competitors with each other. I don't know what they have that each other might want. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see him... Okay, let's say trade. Um... I don't know, St. Louis, um, the Cubs, the Diamondbacks, teams like that. Okay. All right. Well, we'll have to see what happens there. Uh, Nick, what can we read from you at Baseball Prospectus this week or in some uh, future? Nothing in the immediate horizon. I've been a busy bee, uh, but, you know, just keep an eye out. All right. Well, we can find you on Twitter at Selene Tweets. Thank you, as always, for making the time, sir. Thank you. Thanks, Nick. All right. That'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Thank you again to our presenting sponsor, Ponco Chicken. Um, thank you again to all of my awesome guests for coming on the pod. Um, and don't forget, if you like today's episode and you are an Apple Podcast listener, please leave us a five-star rating and a review. It helps. Um, you can also find us on Google Play, Spotify, ChaseThomasPodcast.com, um, where you can access all of my previous episodes and read all my work. So ChaseThomasPodcast slash page hyphen 11. Um, so go do that. Read all my stuff. Listen to the podcast. Um, all that good stuff. Uh, also, follow me on Twitter at Chase double underscore Thomas. Uh, like the Facebook page at uh, Facebook.com slash ChaseThomasWriter. And uh, also, follow me on Instagram at Chase double underscore Thomas. All right. Thanks so much, guys. And I will have another episode for you very soon. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.